Hey everybody, before we get started, I wanted to say how you can help support this podcast and the website that powers it. Of course, you can go to patreon.com slash Network. Also, you can, if you want to leave a PayPal tip jar, we have the PayPal tip jar set up. It's paypal.me slash Network as well. We're also on Venmo slash Network as well. But uh, thanks again to Pat Olive. And if you want to support his work, you definitely can. I highly suggest you go to comicsology.com and get a subscription to the Comixology Unlimited. You get access to tens of thousands of comics from the big publishers, such as Marvel and DC and Image, but also the indie publishers as well. And independent comics are definitely going to have a home with Comixology. And one of those is Edgeworld. With Chuck Austin, Pat Olaf is crafting a sci-fi space western, and he talks about it a little bit here on this episode. We kind of popcorn back and forth, so I do want to apologize. This was a really great conversation. It may not have been the greatest interview in the world, but it was definitely a great conversation where we kind of popcorn back and forth. So definitely check it out. Really, really uh, thankful for Pat's time and his just wealth of knowledge that he gave to us. There's a lot of stuff in this episode that I highly encourage you guys to check out. Of course, you can always, if you want to be a part of the show, you can always find us on the social media, such as Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, you can find us on YouTube.com. Just look up Spidey Dude Radio Network. You'll be able to find all of our shows. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell for when we go live, and you'll be notified when we go live. Of course, you can always like us on both Facebook and Instagram, at Spidey Dude Network. And then, of course, Twitter is at Spidey Dude Radio. And Twitch is also at Spidey Dude Network. So we're on all those various platforms. We'll be doing more stuff on Twitch in 2021. We've got brand new shows of our of your favorites, such as Clone Slugger Chronicles, Spectacular Radio, and Amazing Spider-Man Classics, as well as this show and Spidey Dude Experience. So if you haven't checked those shows out, I highly encourage you to do so. But until then, check out this episode of Make My Mayday here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Next, here with Pat Olive. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster of Spidey-Dude.com and the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Of course, this is a episode of Make Mine Mayday, and I wouldn't have an episode of Make Mine Mayday without... Hey, Kelly! <laughs> but tonight, as you saw with our advertising last well, over the last few days, we have a very special guest tonight. He is a, uh, a legendary artist. His career has spanned a couple of decades now. I don't want to make him feel old, but he's he's been fantastic for 20 plus years, and I, we're just so happy to have him. He is, I consider, the third daddy of Spider-Girl, Pat Olive. Hey, guys. Thanks hey. for having me. Thanks for, thanks for uh, 
agreeing to be a part of the show tonight. Yeah, sure. Um, we're just so pleased. I, I've always, like, when we were developing the show, me and Kelly, we were like, we got to get Pat on. Because mm-hmm. everybody, everybody goes and gets Ron, that Ron guy. And, oh, and oh, Ron. everywhere. He's everywhere. <laughs> so we're like, we need to get Pat. So we're just so happy to have you on uh, tonight. Well, thank, and you. thank you. So, Kelly, you want me to start with the questions? I'm going to let you start. Okay. And we'll, we'll see where, where mine fit. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so I, I was doing research about your career, Pat. And so you started late 80s, early 90s. Right. And your first Marvel work was Thor, correct? Right. Yeah. My, yeah. My first Marvel work technically was Tales of Asgard, um, which was the backup uh, feature in Thor. Um, so I had been working in, uh, the independence for a little bit. I did some work for like Malibu comics and, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, my first Marvel work was right. Tales of Asgard. Um, Ron friends saw my work, liked it, showed it to some editors. And I got uh, a chance to do some Tales of Asgard stories, which then led to some Thor fill-ins. Um, and it kind of went from there. So, so it's all Ron. It's all Ron's fault. What you say? It is. It is exactly right. So I give him all credit and all blame simultaneously. So. <laughs> well, you know he he sings your praises. Uh, I, I've spoken to him several times, uh, you know, through the years with various interviews, and he always, you know, sings your praises and rightfully well, so. Well, that's very nice. And and uh, uh, Ron is easily one of the most talented artists I've ever seen. We shared studio space for for a while. Um, and what just comes out of his head is amazing. I mean, I just, uh, he's just an extraordinary talent, extraordinary guy. So, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. You, you guys shared a, a studio space. Did. I didn't, I didn't realize that until I think Ron mentioned it offhand in an interview and I was like, wait, y'all were in the same room. So was that during your spider girl run? Yes. Yeah. So it, it, it encompassed the, some spider girl run. And in fact, uh, we had shared studio space for a while, so there was one period where I was drawing, I think this is the overlap, there was one point where I was drawing Untold Dales of Spider-Man on one side of the studio, and he was drawing Superman on the other side of the studio. So wow. that was kind of a neat Spider-Man-Superman happening in the same rundown, crappy building uh, at the same time. So <laughs> yeah, it was, that was great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Kelly, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you. Uh, since I let off, I'll let you ask the next question. We're trying. To, we're going to try to all go right. back and forth sure. between the two. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's see. All right. So this one's actually it's from. So I I'm I'm one of the co mods on the Spider Girl Reddit page, and okay. I did ask them for some questions. And uh, someone asked, "What issue are you the most proud of? Like out of everything you've done." And uh, uh, right. which one would you do over if you had the chance? Um, well, I mean, I, I think that it's hard to pick. I mean, I was on the book for, uh, you know, almost five years. Um, so obviously the first issue would be one of my favorites. Um, but it's hard to pick a specific, fa- uh, specific favorite. That's mm-hmm. one of them, um, I think. And then at the end of the run, we did that story, the... Uh, uh, an invisible girl story uh-huh. uh, with Megan who would disappear. That was yeah. a really, Tom wrote a beautiful story. My job was to not screw it up. And uh, um, it was really uh, an emotional story. I was so proud of that story. I think that was great. 
And then there were little, you know, there's stories sprinkled in uh, throughout the run. I mean, we did a, 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 a like a double sized issue of the, the the Savage Six, which was the, the kind of mm-hmm. putting together of all the the villains that had been created in Spider Girl. Um, we also got there was a, a an issue that had a character named Dragon Fist. Uh, yeah. That was uh, Tom. Remember Tom asking me mm-hmm. what. You know, we you know, he asked me what I wanted to draw, what characters did I always enjoy, and I was a huge Iron Fist fan, mm-hmm. so you know, that was kind of the leaping off point for that character. So, um, I mean, there was there's 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 a lot of them that I really enjoyed. If I had to do one over again, it would be the first issue. Um, as much as I liked it, and as much as I enjoyed the beginning of creating, uh, you know, this kind of my version of this world. Uh, I look back on it now and think, oh, I would do so much different. So that's probably interesting. I have a follow up. Who wrote Unclean Thoughts on the music poster? (laughs) And where did that come from? So (laughs) over the over the years, we would put in in creating a world, you want to go beyond just the, you know, just the, you know, the superheroes and the villains and their supporting cast and stuff. So you throw in things in the background. <laughs> so I think I have to admit, I don't remember if Unclean Thoughts, Unclean Thoughts was a band. That was a yeah, band name. It was a so, band name. It was yes. like right by the Cranberries it, uh, yes, reunion exactly. tour. Exactly. So Unclean Thoughts was a band in uh, that we came up with. And I'll have to admit, I don't remember if it Ron came up with that name or I came up with that name. Okay. That was the band thing. So the other thing you can look for that pops up every once in a while in my run and in Ron's run as well um, is there will be at times when they're at home having breakfast, mm-hmm. there will be a box of sugar smacked wackies somewhere <laughs> in there. So that was another thing okay. that we would just kind of drop in on occasion, just, you know. Sugar to create a world like. and just we were having fun. <laughs> it was, it's uh, every time I've posted a photo with that music poster, people yes. people ask. They are very intrigued by the name because yes. I, I would like to. Big- <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know exactly who came up with it. Uh, I will. I will. Uh, I'll give Ron credit on that. I don't okay. remember, but that was yeah. That was the that was the band that would be on her posters in her bedroom and. Oh, like you know, that would just show up throughout yeah. the run. So my my question kind of dovetails off of the fact that you and Ron were sharing a studio at the time. Mm-hmm. When Ron kind of was creating these character sketches and stuff like that for this one one shot, because you know it's Ron and he's going to go all in. Sure. Uh, when you got the assignment, how how did you get? How did the assignment come to you? Was it Ron that recommended you, or was, was you guys all just talking, sitting around drinking coffee and? Well, um, I had worked with, you know, Tom DeFalco in the past. So um, we did the Thor 4 miniseries together and that kind of thing. So I had a working relationship with Tom as well. Um, and um, the, the strange thing was when, like you said, when both Ron and Tom do something, they go 100%. So when they did the What If 105, they created, it wasn't just a story about how, you know, what happens if Spider, you know, if Spider-Man's daughter you know, has his powers and, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. it could have been a fairly two dimensional idea. Well, Tom and Ron don't work that way. So they created an entire world that in one issue, you could kind of get a sense that this could be much bigger than one issue. And Marvel thought the same thing. And they thought about, okay, let's make this a a series of books, a whole, you know, alternate universe, which then eventually Mm -hmm. became kind of the standard 
agreed upon future. And um, so when these stories uh, started, these story ideas started to come up, um, uh, you know, there was Ron, obviously, myself, Ron Lamb, Paul Ryan. These are the guys that would work with Tom in the past. Um, and so we started, I started, they started kicking around ideas. And quite frankly, I, I wanted to do the Avengers story, the A Next book. Um, I had long been, really? I did. I had yeah. been a huge fan of the Avengers when I was a kid. Those Neil Adams Avengers stories, Kree Scrawl War stuff was reason, one of the reasons I'm doing this crazy job. Wow. Um, so the idea is to do this Avengers thing. Uh, I thought, wow, that, that, that could be kind of cool. I did not anticipate doing Spider-Girl. I assumed, I mean, Ron Friends, Tom DeFalco, What If 105, Spider-Girl, mm -hmm. they do that. I'll right. do, you know, either the J2 book or, or, or specifically the, the Avengers book. Um, but Ron had a connection to Thunderstrike, obviously, and he wanted, mm -hmm. he wanted to follow that along. And I totally understood that. I didn't see that in the, I didn't understand that. I didn't see that coming. It should have been obvious. Right. Um, but he said, you know, I, I want to pursue the, you know, to follow this character that I created. And, and so they were the guys that said, because of my connection to Spider-Man, uh, with Untold Tales of Spider-Man and the Marvel team up and then, that I would be the natural guy to do Spider-Girl. And I was, uh, I was thrilled. I was happy to, to, to be offered the, the book. Um, but to be honest, it wasn't my assumption. My assumption was I was going to be, I was going to do the Avengers book. Um, and then, uh, when, Ron said, "No, no, I, you know, I want to follow Thunderstrike and, and continue those adventures." I said, "Yep, I'm fine. I'm fine with Spider Girl. It'd be great to continue in that world." So that's how it happened. Okay, that's see, I for some reason I never connected that you actually were wanting to do the Avengers book. No, I mean it's it. Yeah, I mean it, it. It it seemed. I think from the outside looking in, it probably seemed fairly straightforward that I would do a spider related title. Uh, mm -hmm. If I was going to do one of these books, it would be that because of my, like I said, Untold Tales of Spider-Man and that kind yeah. of thing. I mean, other than Ron, I guess I would be the other guy to be to be considered for that. So, um, but yeah, that was a, you know, there was a little um, confusion in the beginning where I thought, well, wait, I thought I was doing that. No, I'm doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So no, it was, and it was great to be part of, um, the, the world that Tom and Ron were creating, that MC2 universe and mm -hmm. everything that that spawned, um, we've, we were in our own little world in a way. I mean, Tom was in charge. He was the guy calling the shots on how this was going to go. Um, so yeah, it was a nice period mm -hmm. of time to kind of feel like we could just kind of relax and, and tell some fun stories. Uh, speaking of, I, I got my my it says Kurt Busick, but I'm really looking at the at the great pictures of uh, of Pat Olive. But <laughs> you know that, that Untold Tales run. How did you like your 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 work with Kurt Busick? Mm -hmm. Obviously, he was coming off of Marvel, so his name yeah. was pretty like a hot name. Very much so. so. How did you get that particular assignment? And um, I had um, um, I had done some work for. I was still fairly early in my Marvel career. And um, I had done some work for your Tom Breeboard, who was the editor of the book. I right. had done some work with him on some trading cards. Um, and they were and Spider-Man was couple, so one or two of the trading cards I did. So they were aware that of my work and they had seen me do some Spider-Man stuff and with a more traditional approach, mm -hmm. um, especially during that period. 
most of the Spider-Man work was, yeah, I mean, was, you know, uh, a more Todd McFarlane-esque kind of Spider-Man. So this was, they saw the work that I did on the training cards more traditional. Um, so, I mean, that's how, you know, I, I'm sure, I know that they ask other people, um, but uh, that's how I came to, to, to their attention was the training card set that I did for Tom Brewer. Yeah, I, I knew you did that for like uh, 23 issues of the 25 that were right. done. And, and I also remember the annual that you guys did and the back little backup where I didn't realize it at the time when I was a kid, but it was like the kind of like the spiritual successor to that annual story with Stan and Steve. And it's you and you and Kurt. And right, right. It was yeah. hilarious. Well, that was fun. I mean, that was uh, Kurt's idea and that was a lot of fun to do. Um, you know, we had a little back and forth, uh, you know, like he would send me, he would, you know, tell me information, like, this is, this is what we should put in it. And then of course, from my standpoint, it was easy. Uh, you know, I just looked around the studio I was in at the time and I was able, that was an easy way to get reference. And, uh, uh but that was super fun. That was a fun story. Yeah. So my, I, my dog's on cue. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It, Waylon yeah. show, like I said, Waylon shows up nearly every episode. Yeah. So. Okay, uh, Kelly, you want to? Yes. Uh, so, what was your favorite MC2 villain to draw? My favorite MC2 villain? Mm-hmm. Um, there were probably two. Uh, well, there's a bunch, but I mean, the two that, yeah. that kind of popped the, the design I was happiest with, because um, it just kind of popped into my head, was the uh, Crazy Eight uh, character. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super happy with the way that costume kind of worked out. I, you know, so, uh, and he was a lot of fun. Uh, he was a lot of fun. I liked mm-hmm. the relationship of, between him and funny face. And then the mm-hmm. issue, you know, the, the issue 25 where they're kind of all together and there's that mm-hmm. re- re- inter- inter- interplay with their relationship. But the, uh, I was, I was very happy with his design. I was very happy with the way that kind of turned out. I liked that character. I thought it was a really unique character. And I also mm-hmm. liked, um, Obviously, I mentioned Dragon Fist, but at the uh, um, Dragon King is another one because <laughs> it is a big. Yeah. I, and I think that that might have been how he kind of came about. I don't remember specifically, okay. um, but I think he came about. I think another one like Tom asked me like, "What do I like to draw?" And I I'd, I'd love to draw like a monster character. Yeah, like a big kind of monster character, and that's kind of where he came through. So uh, I mean, there's a there's a ton of them, but those are the two that kind of popped in my head. Ev- everyone loves Hackenmutter. Like, there's this, un- King. I've... <laughs> there's like, this it's... unironic love of him. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not getting it. Because, like, he's, I'll be honest, he's not my favorite character. Because I'm just sure. like, okay, you've got all these powers and you can become a big giant monster. And the only right. thing you can think of is destroy the school. It's, like... a, it's a fairly, yeah, it's a fairly linear thought process. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he was, he was fun to draw. The, yeah. the, the, the dichotomy of the guy that's supposed to clean up every after all right. these kids decides to destroy the school is just kind of funny. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, had but, he, yeah, right. He had, he had a moment to realize, oh my god, I've got to clean all this up. Yeah. Didn't, didn't work. Didn't, no. didn't, he didn't get no. that far. No, no. Uh, so <laughs> earlier, uh, or la- was it last year, or year before last, they started releasing, re-releasing Spider Girl in these awesome complete collection trades, and I, re- I was reading three years ago. Is it three years ago? I yeah, think, yeah was, I think Kelly's right. Yeah, uh, this was supposed to be year three, and then the pandemic pushed mm-hmm. everything back. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm this summer. I'm reading Spider Girl to my five year old for the first time. Oh, nice. She, she is. Awesome. She was. She lives far away from me, so she was just home for the with me for the summer, and she loved Crazy Eight. She she <laughs> oh, she is. She's like he's so crazy. <laughs> His hair is so crazy. It was yeah. so. She had so much fun with Crazy Eight. So oh, that's the great. Fact, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear. Uh, that. She 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 enjoyed uh spider girl and she's just she's she's loving it so we've we've had a lot of fun you know getting to bond because she knows how much of a spider-man fan i am so the fact that there is a spider girl um and real quickly uh my girlfriend in the comment section says hello mr olive (laughs) and she this this she's been teaching at school and helping uh, uh, as an aide, and this little girl asked, uh, "She's a big Spider-Man fan." And so my girlfriend yeah. says, "You know, there's a Spider Girl," and it made her whole year. Oh, that's great! Yeah, and her dad actually had the comics at home. Mm-hmm. Wow! Didn't yeah. realize that she would be into it, and wow. so uh, <laughs> he actually read her "What If 105 and I think the first couple of issues. Yeah. And so now a thing that they do is as uh-huh. like a, oh, so a family cool. now that is so, so cool. yeah and <laughs> kelly well, you know the nice thing is we've had we and that was one of the great things is that i mean she is the longest running female character lead character yep. in marvel comics history um well and unless they, you count patsy walker but who counts patsy walker well uh that is true <laughs> but this isn't a patsy walker podcast is it no right? it's not no. yeah Exactly. So, but anyway, so yes, exactly right. But the, the, the idea is that there was a lot of female fans. We got a lot of girls interested into the book. Uh, and that's always gratifying to hear um, someone share that with their daughter. I know my mm-hmm. daughter, uh, I showed her the books and too. So I it was, it's that, I love those stories. I mean, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up reading it from the start pretty much. I think it was second or third issue. And I was, ju- I had just turned eight years old. So, you know, it's pretty That's much perfect like, time. I, right. Per, right. Exactly. Perfect time. And right. I went straight. I think spider girl, the end was somewhere at the very beginning of sophomore year of college sure. for <laughs> right. me. Yeah. So, right. uh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, no. So I, I completely get it. I'm always, uh, anything, uh, you know, I can do, which is why we created the podcast to keep it going and keep, you know, young fans, New and old fans, um, right. kind a, of. And it's a great, and it's a great book for, uh, and that's the way Tom uh, writes these things and mm-hmm. approaches these projects. Is that you assume that any issue you do could be someone's first. So anytime someone picks up the books, they can immediately fall into that world. They can follow these characters. They know what's going on, and um, that makes it easier for people to. Uh, discover the character, even though the book isn't around anymore, they can discover the character, they pick up an issue, and they're in. So, and I think exactly. that's, uh, I think that's great. That's great. Yeah, and- I, my first issue was a Tom DeFalco issue, and I was in the middle of the Clone Saga, and I wasn't lost, remarkably enough. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so I, I understand that completely. Yeah, Kelly, you got to right. follow up. Yes, because so actually, speak so as we're talking about this, um, a lot of people on Reddit wanted to. Wanted me to ask you if you've kept up with uh, Spider-Man at all and kind of what your thoughts were on Spider-Verse and kind of what happened to May in Spider-Verse. Uh, obviously, if you did not, uh, 
keep up, that is a-okay, because <laughs> you, you, did, you didn't miss much. <laughs> well, I, I've heard bits and pieces. I don't, I have to admit, I have not kept up. Um, so it would not be, I have uh, a probably uninformed opinion, so I probably should keep that to myself because I have yeah. not, I have not followed it closely enough that if mm -hmm. I shoot my face off, someone's going to say, that doesn't make any sense. He doesn't know what he's talking about and they would be right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I haven't, I haven't kept up. I get it. Uh, my world, you know, as far as May and, and the, my spider girl world is that, that run of books. Yeah. So, um, what happens after that in the spider verse and what, ha what they, what happens beyond, you know, Ron friends, Tom DeFalco, myself, the, you know, these kind of, I don't, I don't know what that is. I'm hoping mm -hmm. that they treat the character with respect. I have heard different things, but yeah. the idea is that that beginning, middle and end to that run mm -hmm. of books, to me, that is spider girl. That mm -hmm. is who she is. That is her story. Now it, like I said, it may continue on. Other people may have, uh, and they they have their right to to put their two cents in. But to me, that's that's kind of encapsulates uh, that's that world. It, the, that the, fact, the fact that they're actually got to be an ending in a medium that doesn't generally give endings. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Which is funny because we had anticipated an ending to Spider Girl every ten minutes, practically. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, just about to bring that up. Right, so you would see, you know, it's a Spider Girl world, and she's swinging off into the future, into the over the city or something, and you know, Tom and I would be going, "Well, I guess that's it for us." And then, thank you to the Spider Girl fans, they said, "No, you are not done, and we are not leaving, and we want more stories." And we went, "Oh my God, that's great! Let's go!" So yeah, but, we're we're a persistent yeah. bunch. <laughs> yes, and we and we appreciate it to no end. I mean, there is no way I could have imagined that I would be on that book for five years, much less have it run for ten years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it had to do with the people that um, fell in love with the character and were loyal to the character. And I always hear the story about when a book is when a new book comes onto the market. They have uh, a metric kind of thing where okay, you have the first issue sales are high, and then they start to drop off fairly precipitously after that. Then some drop off slowly, some drop off more quickly, mm -hmm. but they always drop. And so, you know, you can kind of pick a point in the future and say, okay, this book started here. So around this issue, it'll start to dro drop off, and that's probably will be the end of it. Well, we did have a drop off after the first issue, which is understandable. But it never dropped any lower. It like hit us. It hit a level and stayed mm -hmm. there, issue after issue after issue after issue. And I think that was what we were never the top selling book uh, in the market, but we were consistent. I mean, every yeah. Yeah. every month we brought fans to that book uh, consistently, mm -hmm. and that's I think that's what I think I think a lot of times uh, editors and Marvel couldn't understand what to do with us. Because we should be dropping, which means we right. should be canceling you. But no one's, you're not dropping. People are still reading yep. it. And yeah. and they get mad when we say we're going to cancel it. So I said, okay. So, um, yeah. yeah. So it was, it, was, it was great. It was absolutely great. It feels like the comic market's always chasing a market. Right. Yeah. And, and when, with Spider-Girl, it just felt like once it, they got the core of their market, they just, they weren't going to let it go. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's a unique story. We actually, was it two episodes ago, Kelly, that we actually yes. interviewed the guys from Save yeah. the Spider-Girl campaign? Uh -huh. And yep. 
we, you know, we just had that roundtable discussion. I was involved a little bit with the latter parts, um, but because I didn't become a regular reader, unfortunately, until after, mainly because of the availability for me, I didn't become a regular reader until about sixty-five. It was after what? you had already. I know. Yeah. No. no I, like I, 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 like I mean. I, I, but I've gone back and gotten all the all the original <laughs> yeah. issues. So uh, some of that, thanks to Kelly, my girlfriend Sarah bought yeah. me like the first thirty issues for Father's Day this year. Oh, nice! So I, and I had a few. Like I've been trying to slowly fill it in, but sure. Uh, we we found a I found a we found a good deal on eBay, and she's like, "That's your Father's Day gift." I said, "Okay, very good, very good." <laughs> so, good yeah, right. You know, I mean, as a dad now, I'm looking more and more like Peter Parker. Uh, so, well, well, yeah, well, less hair, you know, my ex-wife got half of them a divorce, but, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. no, I, I remember your untold tales work. And I remember it evolved really quite a lot. If you go back and read these mm-hmm. first six issues and you read like the, the, the second year, mm-hmm. your style kind of evolved mm-hmm. yeah, quite yeah. a bit. And then you, that kind of carried over into spider girl too. Yep. Um, did you, how do you feel when you look back at it, when you're looking back at your work, how, how do you feel about that evolution? Uh, well, some of it is natural in the sense that, um, if you, if you're drawing every day, I mean, if you're turning out 20 to 22 pages a month every day, mm-hmm. then you have no choice, but to uh, evolve to a certain extent. Some people evolve, um, their styles change dramatically, some people don't, but you learn new things every time you draw, you know, you tell a certain story, you, tell, you draw a certain panel, you can't help but learn just by doing. And that in itself lends itself to some evolution in your art. Um, the other part of it is um, the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Until Tales of Spider-Man and Spider-Girl are both considered traditional, obviously traditional approaches to storytelling into the books, um, they are different in the way uh, the characters interact with the world. And I mean, Until Tales of Spider-Man, obviously, uh, I did, I wasn't trying to do like Steve Ditko or anything kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it wasn't influenced in that because that was, right. you know... Um, yeah. That was the purpose of the book. That was kind of appropriate for the book. Um, now, Spider Girl, I didn't, I didn't rely on that. Now, that was obviously in my brain as part of my training, uh, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. Uh, uh, that wasn't what the focus was, or what my thoughts were in terms of approaching Spider Girl. Uh, my other thought was that I didn't want um, to do. I wanted to make sure, to the best of my whatever talent that I may or may not have. Um, that I wanted to try to make the character my own because I was going to be living with this character every month for mm-hmm. uh, turned out to be five years. And right. I wanted to try, I understand that um, we were jumping off of what Ron and Tom had done mm-hmm. and I want to make sure I'm uh, uh, respectful to that. But at the same time, I also knew that um, if, if, I had to, if I was drawing this character every month for months on end, I have to bring something of my own approach to it. Mm-hmm. So that also informs probably the evolution uh, uh, of the style between the two books, Untold Tales and Spider-Girl. I, I was going to ask one follow-up. Uh, you made her eyes very distinctive. 
And was that just a stylistic choice? You were like, I, I, I get to tweak a little bit with the costume. Oh. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that was also, um, that was Ron. Mm-hmm. Uh, the eye pieces had a little notch to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were specific. Sorry. Wow. I'm bringing visual aids. Cause <laughs> no, I, that's good. I, I made these lint. Uh, cause for my costume, I've, I had to custom make these lenses because they do have the notch. Yes. And well, not. Yeah. And, and, and that's, yeah. yeah. And, that, and I think that was uh, uh, Ron's. Uh, you, you do want to, when you have a close up of Spider Girl or Spider Man, now you can draw the head differently so it looks more feminine. It's a little bit more oval shaped, less mm-hmm. blocky. Uh, but at the same time, if you look at it very quickly, it could be Spider Man or Spider Girl. So one of the mm-hmm. little extra things you can put in there. Is you make you can you can't play with the webs and you can't play with the color, right. so you can play a little bit with something like the uh, the eyepieces, and I think that's what Ron's approach was. Yeah. Well, I, I, I my first I didn't actually see what F one hundred five in the beginning, so my first exposure to Spider Girl was actually you. So oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I ended up picking up issue one, issue three, and then like issue ten, just on the newsstand, and then you know, had my big, huge gap that was embarrassing, but that I've since, I've since rectified. But so for me, like when I think of spider girl, I think of now you and Ron, um, oh, because, yeah. because I mean, it just, it, it is what it, it is. That's how it was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I couldn't, re- I couldn't remember if it was Ron or you that, that kind of brought that little, that little, no, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was Ron. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Ron. Kelly. Huh? Oh, uh, not so. All right. So another Sorry. one. No, like, so in fairness, you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous because as I stated, I literally grew up with this series. Um, I'm pretty sure you're aware that I'm the insane cosplayer that cosplays. I would never use the word insane. That's okay. Not, well, I that's, that's that. my word. It's, okay. it's for myself. Um, but <laughs> it's, you, you know, do an amazing job. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's more of like, I'm, my brain is halfway between <laughs> like serious questions and like, Oh my goodness. Yay. I get like, <laughs> I get to listen to this. This is amazing. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but all right. So what can, did you have any challenges working on spider girl? Like from working just with a teenage kind of a teenager versus a teenage girl in the nineties, um, early two thousands versus like the untold tales of Spider-Man or anything else that you've done. Well, yeah. I think that to there was the challenge was how to my, my thought of, uh, on how to approach may specifically was I wanted her to be, uh, kind of an every girl kind of a thing like when she's walking down the hallway at school she shouldn't all, all heads shouldn't be turning to her i mean she shouldn't mm-hmm. like you know be the fashion plate that was davida and, and so she she didn't so there was a specific way of trying to figure out what she was to how to how, how what she should wear and that kind of thing um of course that was a challenge i did i have a teenage daughter now i didn't then so that was kind of like how does that work uh, without being too without being too creepy, right? Um, so Ron, that, Ron's made jokes. Yeah, sure. But that did, was but that was. Did you also get seventeen magazines? Um. Yes. As a matter of fact, yeah, that was that was necessary. I mean, so um, 
but that was that was kind of the the challenge was how because when you draw spider girl she's basically obviously you're drawing the female form but it's still <laughs> in heroic action sequences and and that that you know you kind of an idea of how that's going to work it's kind of the everyday stuff that became a little bit more challenging in terms of how to approach it how to approach her specifically um so that she had not only consistent look but also um you know, a, a consistent uh, way the readers would respond to her. So that was kind of yeah. it. Yeah. I, yeah. So when whenever you kept getting that that call of, hey, your, your series is getting extended, and then eventually you get offered another series. I can't remember what the series was that you got offered when you left Spider-Girl. It was then, called, it was named, uh, it was a book uh, named, named The Call. It was okay. about like zombie firefighters or something. <laughs> zombie fire. And it was I supposed mean, to, I remember Tom talking about it. it was supposed to be this big hot book for three yes. years and, and then right. they, they took it away. And, and I was well, like, well, yeah, it was, yeah, the, 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 and I'm sure these guys already went through this, but, um, no, it's, that's, I, I, I like, we're, we're wanting to hear your side. Yeah. <laughs> so to well, speak. My side. Okay. So yeah, basically what happened was we finally, you know, we got another one of those calls. The book is going to end this time. There is no saving it. This is it. They're going to be done. You're over. That's it. And so, um, after five years, um, but okay, well, I guess we had a good run. It was certainly longer and more successful than we thought it was going to be. We had a lot of fun with it. Um, so they said, uh, so we're going to give you a book named The Call, which was going to be tied into a video game and it was going to be this big thing. Um, wow. And I said, okay. And they said, well, Ron will take over the last couple issues of Spider-Girl because we need you to start right away. So I didn't want to leave the book, but at the same time, I thought, well, I'm not, not giving me a lot of options. So I said, okay, uh, if we're really done, and they said, yes, we're really done this time. That's it. <laughs> I went, okay. So I left to do the call, Ron took over the what would be the last handful of issues of Spider Girl, uh, and then within the, a couple of months, the orders on the call were so bad they canceled it before the first issue came out, and then the numbers for Spider Girl were better than they anticipated, and restarted. And I uh, said, you know what? Actually, we are not going to cancel Spider Girl. We're going to keep it going. <sighs> and I went, oh, that's great. So uh, anyway, so that's, you know, now, yeah. you know, so that wow. was a little bit of a, a shock at that point. Well, oh. So, um, so that's basically how I ended up off spider girl was that, uh, uh, yeah. So this other book ran for it, it eventually came out, but they canceled uh -huh. it, uh, um, uh, very quickly. And like I said, spider girl then went on to run another five years. Um, yeah. so that was, that was basically how I ended up leaving the book, but it, and, and, but at the same time, I, I did, they did, I, I was able to pick up other work at Marvel. I went on to, I did Namor. And, and so I was able to find uh, plenty of work after that. But that was, that was the moment that, you know, uh, why I left, why I left Spider-Girl when I did. Um, so, but that's, you know, and, and that's, that's the way it works. Well, that's I love I that they, they would bring you back every once in a while to either fill right. an issue or right. Right. issue 100. I think you had a, a couple of scenes of that were, issue. Yeah. And, and they, and those guys were, um, uh, they were great. They didn't need to do this. Uh, they, for, before they restarted the book, 
um, for the remainder of that original run, they listed myself and Al Williamson as artist emeritus or something for a while in the credits. I mean, it was super nice. They didn't need to do that, um, but it was very uh, it was very nice of them to do it. So they were always. Uh, I always felt that, uh, um, you know, I always, you know, like I had a place there if I, you know, they needed a fill in or something or covers or pinups like the zombie pinup thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was, I was happy to do it. So, yeah. So it was great. Uh, I was, so obviously with Marvel 616 came out there, there's been a lot of talk about the Marvel method and during the nineties, uh, the, the, everybody was still using that method. And I know Tom, use that method quite often right, right. Uh, now it's more of a script format like in your work with chuck austin yeah. i saw was like a, a full script right right as an artist what do you prefer do you prefer the marvel method or do you prefer the script well uh, i prefer the marvel method myself i mean and that's basically how um i've worked with tom quite a bit uh, when I first started getting work at Marvel, there were more Marvel method plot first kind of jobs out there uh, that don't exist anymore. Um, so I did a lot of work early in my career that way. So it allows for more freedom to tell the story uh, visually how you want and to play with page layout, panel layout, that kind of thing a lot more. So um, I prefer the Marvel method, the plot first to the script. Um, but I will say that the script method um, is, can work fine if, if you work with a writer that you feel you click with. If you mm. click with a writer visually and they both have the same kind of visual sense, right. um, and then you mentioned Chuck Austin, and, and um, in an, our uh, new project, Edgeworld. Uh, Check that out on Comicsology. Yep. Um, so... Chuck was an artist as well, so he has a visual sense. So when Chuck gives me a full script, um, he and I see things very similarly from a visual standpoint. So that that I get a full script from Chuck, but it's it's really easy to tell that story. Um, there are other uh, writers who maybe don't either have a good visual sense or don't share the same visual sense that I do, and we kind of are at odds on occasion. Mm -hmm. Uh, those full scripts are much more difficult, but that's, you know, that's the name of the game. But ha if I had a choice, it would be, um, it would be uh, plot first. So for, for everybody that to understand that, that may not be familiar with the lexicon, the Marvel oh, method yeah, is, uh, is plot first and then art and then script kind of over the art after, right. afterwards. Yeah. Right. And a plot so. is, is kind of more and, and different writers do it differently, but a plot is a more generalized description of each page or panel. Well, you know, and, and the nice thing is that once you get used to working with a, uh, a writer, Tom's descriptions were, uh, were looser in places, allow me to play more, uh, but they never were as loose as I, I having shared students with Ron, Tom and Ron are basically the same human being. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, Tom, you know, sometimes Ron's plots were like, you know, pages, you know, eight to 15, you know, they fight and then this happens and go. I mean, so uh, they were so simpatico. So, um, uh, but yeah, plots are generally more of a general description and scripts are much more specific. Uh, I just, I being a guy that came up through the nineties and two thousands and now today, because I, I remember you did a motion comic with Bob Gale. Yes. 
right. And, and I remember like reading the the there was they had an article about it, and it was very it, that was. Can you kind of explain that process? Because it was like you had to make Spider Man move without right, right. Move. So that was okay. the first um, Spider Man online digital content mm-hmm. that did not rely on um, you know a, a previous continuity. It was in continuity. But yeah. the first time you saw it was was online. It wasn't in a comic book. Now they did compile those things and put them out. Uh, right. But it was it was uh, the approach was very different in the fact that you had to lay out lay it out as a comic book page um, because what eventually you knew it was eventually going to be in a comic book. Um, but there were times where you would have to do multiple images so that they would then you know superimpose things and make things more move more for a digital presentation. So it was a little more challenging in that respect, but not so different uh, from what I usually do just because everybody, even though we were exploring this kind of new method of uh, comic book storytelling for a digital market, um, it, we, we knew it was coming out as a comic book eventually. So we still had to make sure that it was, you know, uh, a regular comic book page, panel to panel storytelling and that kind of thing. So it wasn't that different. Speaking of, of digital, uh, Kelly, if you got another question, you want to jump in, I'll, I'll, I'll. Well, uh, I mean, it kind of is going back to what y'all were talking about with like the Marvel method and stuff and just kind of plotting it. Um, a lot of people notice or were advised in previous interviews with Tom and Ron really uh, that, you know, like MJ's hair is dyed. So here's these coloring details and all that other stuff. Do you remember any like particular uh, little details that y'all had to keep for uh, the characters, especially like the older characters? In terms of how they looked? Yeah. Just like, and how did y'all create those looks too? Well, uh, now most of those, uh, now, now, you know, her hairstyle changed over the course of the, mm-hmm. the series, um, which was kind of was fun to play with on, a, uh, uh, on occasion. Um, but in terms of the looks of the characters, Pete, Mary Jane, you know, a, a lot of those were established by Ron in, in What If 105. So that was mm-hmm. um, um, that had less to do with what I was, uh, you know, I played around more with secondary characters mm-hmm. and, and and that kind of thing um but the core characters were basically what we were building off of from, from what if 105 so there was there had to be a, a certain continuity now obviously again you know like may's hairstyle could change but right. a lot of the basics of those core characters had to maintain their you know consistently consistency from what if 105 onward Speaking of May's hairstyle, what was your favorite? Yeah. Um, I always liked the, I think it was uh, right before I, later in my run, she had the little bit longer hair. Mm-hmm. She would occasionally have the shock come down across her face, a little yeah. wisp of hair kind of thing. That was my favorite. I'm not sure why, but it was. Yeah. I, I just was curious because I, I remember, you know, in the early issues, it was super short. Very yeah. short, right, right, yep. Yeah, she kind of looked a lot like Peter, and then slowly over time, she started looking more like Mary Jane. But, right. um, but yeah, I, I, when I saw a pic, like when, after reading that Untold Tales issue, I always felt like that uh, Ron based Peter off of you because you, you've always had that goatee. <laughs> 
Well, that was, yeah, that was, that was always, yeah, a lot of people have said that. And back when my hair was darker, wasn't so gray, it did, it did make more visual sense, less so now. I understand. I, I, I was in the car the other day and I was like, oh man, this beard. Yeah. yeah. Gray is coming out. Yeah, it, it happens quick. I'm actually only 25. So that's crazy. Right? Right? Well, my, my mom had a full hair, head of uh, gray hair by 18. My dad did, yeah, my dad did too. My dad wow. did too. Yep. Wow. There you go. So uh, I was going to ask, you're still using the, the traditional method of, of drawing, but obviously you're using digital tools right. now right, right, right. Uh, with Photoshop and stuff like that. Do you see the medium? Because I see like Todd McFarlane. Now, granted, it's Todd McFarlane, but he's using this big giant board and it's all digital and everything like that. Do you see slowly the industry going away from traditional pen and paper and going more towards you know, digital art? I think, uh, I think, well, let me put it this way. I think so. That's, I've been experimenting with, uh, with edge world. I've been doing a lot of more of my work digitally. Um, but I think the only reason that it is moving in that direction is that younger artists coming in are more familiar with that, uh, technology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, they, We've been aware of it since they were kids, and uh, they're very fluid with it, and that's how they learn. Right. Um, so um, I think the, as time passes, as these younger kids become professionals, become more, uh, more entrenched in the industry, that just follows with them as, mm. the, uh, uh, as the natural progression of a younger workforce coming into comics as illustrators. Um, there will always be people that enjoy the traditional aspect of, of the pen and ink. Um, um, but I think that uh, that will be kind of more of a, of a decision that individual artists makes on how they want to make pictures. Um, but I think over time, I just think it's just a, it's just the transition of things. I think you're, 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 you're faster you can uh, digitally, um, and as technology has gotten better, um, you can approximate uh, traditional uh, techniques with a digital platform that you couldn't even have done five years ago. Right. So it just, I think just over time, that's kind of where it's going to head just because that's kind of where we're, that's the progression. Yeah. I mean, I, I have an iPad Pro and an Apple and the Apple Pencil, and now it's like the latency is no longer, it's almost non existent. Right, 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 right. And so uh, I just, I was curious because I saw you had done like an interview where you were talking about your process and the method of on doing specifically concerning Edge World. And, right. Um, I was just kind of fascinated about how how that's changed over the years. I, by the way, I love your background. That is the that's awesome. We were oh, talking about yeah. that. That's my, uh, uh, there you go. There's Spider Man. Oh, I'm backwards. And there's Catwoman and. Spider girl. Spider girl. There she is. That's awesome. So you now, before I hate this is a very embarrassing. Uh-huh. But I have to say, um, I was sure I was gonna have enough juice in my phone to complete this interview. I, oh, need, no. to get, I need to get my char I need to get a charger if I'm gonna be able to last much longer on this. Sure, sure. So okay. Absolutely. If you talk about your talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. Right All right. Oh Don't no. Wait. Okay. Okay, not a problem. So, so we'll talk to the audience. Oh, um, there's, there's, six of us, there's six people watching right now. Yay! Uh, so if you're watching on YouTube or or Facebook, if you got some questions 
for for Pat that we haven't already asked. Yes. Uh, fill, fill the comments up. Uh, we'll we're going to kind of still go over our notes a little bit, and mm -hmm. you know we still got a few more questions. I think. Well, uh, I I'm out of questions that I feel like answer like asking because sure. No, I I, yeah. I I can I completely I completely agree. I was I was going to kind of talk a little bit about ask him about uh he's he's done some dc work too and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, i was gonna ask about his first time drawing dc because i think i remember what it was and i just you covered think? you think well um because i just got done if you if you're uh, or tomorrow actually the next episode of csc mm -hmm. is dc versus marvel mm -hmm. and they did these access miniseries one was produced by by DC, the other was produced by Marvel. Well, yep. Pat drew the Marvel one, mm -hmm. and it had Spider Man in it, and yep. it had Spider Man interacting with Wonder Woman. So I was now that he's and you know he, I was going to ask, I couldn't remember if he drew exclusively for DC or uh, if he had had a DC exclusive contract before the started doing the Edge World. I also want to talk about Edge World too. Also, so. also while we have the little pause. Thank you, Vinkman. I did get it. Um, I just I got it and didn't open it so I could get new phone. And um, I have unrelated fun fact of this issue. Just when you back up your phone, back it up on one place, not three. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I have returned. Yay. Welcome back. So sorry about that. Uh, first no, question. No problem iPhone or Android? iPhone. Okay. <laughs> and now you get to see the rest of my awesome basement. Wow, that's awesome. Yay! That's that what what he's got back behind there for those that are listening to this in the audio version of his of the podcast. Oh. He's got a he's got his banner uh, that he takes to conventions. So if you yep. see Pat Olive whenever they're allowing conventions again. Uh, yeah, goes, that was yeah, that's that's disappointing, but yeah. I, this yeah, this too shall pass. Yeah, we're fingers crossed. Yeah. So I was going to ask, um, you were talking about your, you, you right before spider girl or right around the same time as spider girl, you were doing, you did a mini series called unlimited access, right? Was that uh, your first, first DC drawing DC characters? It, it was, it was right after. Yeah. It was after, um, untold tales of Spider-Man. And, um, that would have been my, yeah, that would have been the first time I've, I had the chance to draw any, uh, DC characters. I, I just remember uh, the the miniseries that the DC produced had Spider Man and Superman together, and then Marvel produced that one, and then and then they right. brought Spider Man and Superman together. It was, and, it was fun. It was yeah, it was absolutely crazy, but it was it was fun. Yeah. I, I I'm sure the the amount of logistical hurdles that 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 series took, um, and yeah, then eventually, go ahead, and and then it reasserted itself in a way. Um, I don't know if it's a DC thing for me, but as it, there was a lot of um, uh, back and forth and, uh, you know, uh, sharing of reference and coordinating. And then I went through the same thing again years later when I hopped on board 52 uh, <laughs> for DC for their weekly. I, I was hired as one of the they hired basically three guys, three or four guys as their main crew that would turn out these books and then mm -hmm. other guys would work yeah. on different issues as they fill in. Mm. Um, and that was another crazy project. So I don't know, maybe it's just me and DC, although I don't, I don't know. 
<laughs> was that the craziest DC project you did? Was Fifty Two? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. it it looked crazy from a uh, fan's well, perspective. I honestly, I've never picked up DC since Fifty Two because it got too confusing and weird just as a yeah. consumer. consumer. So well, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I I uh, I don't I I can't blame you. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it, got a, it got a little crazy for sure, but it was. Um, but what came out of it, I was able to do a uh, a mini series called The Four Horsemen that was a mm-hmm. jump off from Fifty Two that allowed me a chance to draw uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman in one series, in one mini series, which was awesome. I mean, yeah. that was just a lot of fun. And I, you know, so I, I, I hadn't had a chance to draw any of those characters yet. And then I got to draw all three in one series. So that was great. That was, that, that's so awesome. That's, that's pretty yeah. cool. So yeah. one thing we we neglected to do was to have you tell your superhero origin story. Oh, like, yeah. how did you get into comics? How did you get to drawing into comics? What, what was, what was your, were you a fan of comics as a kid? What was what was that? Well, like? yeah, I, it was not unlike I'm sure a lot of artists that work in this business is that you don't um, you don't probably get to high school, college, and say, and then look at the landscape of possible jobs and say, comic book artist, that's for me. <laughs> you come into it early in your life, um, mm-hmm. and then I was a comics fan since I was a kid. Um, I remember my dad bought me um i think i can't remember which one is uh, uh, an early superman issue um and I, I was hooked really pretty early it was one of those things where i loved the visuals of it it took me a while to figure out you know what you can actually read these things so um so that was it so i was i was hooked pretty early um and i was uh, there was paper around the house and I started drawing on, you know, I always like to draw, it became a natural thing to try to draw my own stories and um, the big, so that was kind of the beginning where uh, where things really kind of became more serious is when uh, I saw um, I can't remember the issue number, uh, Avengers uh, that Neil Adams, Avengers uh, Kreese Grow War stuff um mm-hmm. Tom Palmer inks and yeah. Thomas Rose. I mean, yes. um, I, I, I saw those, those, yeah, those the, uh, Neil Adams became that. That's when things changed for me is mm. that when I saw Neil Adams work in the Avengers and then I started following it on Batman and, and that really, like, Oh, that kind of blew my head apart. And that kind of really set its hooks in pretty deeply that, you know, Neil Adams, John Buscema, eventually John Byrne. And then, then it just kind of builds on itself. So, you, you take a uh, um, someone who's a fan of the stories and the visuals, who also likes to draw, uh, it just kind of, you know, worked out that way. And, and I think at one point, uh, my dad said, uh, you know, people make a living doing this stuff. And I went, oh, my gosh. So that's kind of where it, where, where it headed. Uh, I had a question about... Inking versus penciling. Mm-hmm. You did some inks like on over Ron's stuff. I know in particular, like Revenge of the Green Goblin, that miniseries. <laughs> yeah. And sure, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to hear about that because I mean, that was that was a crazy miniseries. I loved it, but it was crazy. Um, that was yeah. That was uh, that was the one that um, 
I'm thinking of the right one. I think I am. That um, there was another artist that was supposed to do the project, but he, for whatever reason, couldn't do it. Um, so they were in a bind. This thing had to come out. They were behind schedule. So I think Ralph Macchio was the editor. He contacted Ron, and he knew Ron was uber talented and very fast, uh, and said, can you turn this thing around you know, immediately? Um, and so Ron and I lived fairly close, by, close, to, close to each other at that point. He knew that, that uh, I also inked. So we said, yep, we, we would do it. So um, <laughs> Ron would pencil the pages. Uh, his schedule was opposite mine. He tended to work more in the evenings, and I would work during the day. So he would pencil pages, then drop them off on my porch. And in the mornings, I would get the pages and then ink them and then have to send them out. I think we, I think we probably were producing an issue every like, like week and a half or something. Wow. wow! Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was crazy, but it was, uh, it was fun. Yeah. I just remember when I saw both your names in the book, I was like, "Oh, it's Spider Girls Two Dads." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's so, it. so what's the approach like? Because you're doing your own inks on on Edge World. I am. So, what's the approach that you have to take as a penciler versus an inker? Well, um, in terms of a penciler, if you're penciling for someone else to ink you, which is how I've done most of my career, is that you, you have the idea that someone needs to interpret what you're doing. So there has to be a cleanliness to the line. There has to be some control of what you're doing so that when it shows up at an inker's table, he doesn't look at it and says, I have no idea what any of this is. If it's a sloppy mess, then they're struggling to delineate form and shape and that kind of thing. So you do have to have um, some awareness that someone has to interpret what you're putting down. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a, a cleanliness or a directness to it. Um, and in terms of being an inker, um, I really only inked Ron. <laughs> I did ink a few pages over uh, Phil Jimenez, I think. Um, but okay. overall, um, it's basically... Oh, and I inked John Basema, which was awesome, and an issue of Thor. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, That's cool. So... It, it, it that approach is just more um, interpreting what you see, um, doing justice to what's there, fleshing out uh, some line work for reproduction, creating foreground, background, separating form and shape and, and that kind of thing. You're really not, at least my job was not to redraw what Ron Friends did or redraw what John DeSemma did. That's not what an inker is supposed to do. You add, you can add your, you can add to it, but the drawing is there, especially with those guys. I mean, the drawing is there. So uh, an inker basically kind of more uh, um, delineating form, shape, that kind of thing. So you've had runs on stuff like Hawkman right. and Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. Yes. Uh, which how, how much fun was that trying that to bring? Was, that was, you know, that was, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was really sorry when uh we couldn't continue um i had just finished up rough riders for aftershock and they had asked me to and i had contacted someone at dc and they said well we have a fill-in on scooby apocalypse and mm -hmm. i said oh that sounds fun so i did a couple issues and they liked it enough and said you know what how would you like to take over the book regularly and i said absolutely um so uh, yeah i i just absolutely i love that project absolutely love that project. would have just happy to be just sailing along 
drawing the adventures of those characters and fighting zombies. I, it's just hard, even as I say it, it's hard to beat uh -huh. that project. So, yeah, it was fun. Uh, so you, you jump from that to this uh, edge world's your first creator owned it project. Is. Right. It is right. So, After all this time. Yeah. yeah. So how, how, how does your feelings about you've done all these iconic characters and yeah, with spider girl, spider girl's kind of yours, uh, obviously because of sure. the amount of tender love and care you guys brought to the character. Sure. Well, I mean, she, a large part of her personality and her look was developed, you know, on on your run. Yes. Sure. That's why sure. there's all these different sure. changes. I've, I mean, I, I'm sure in other reviews, I'll probably bring up the fact that like the coloring, because her eyes changed colors like three different times. Her book bag changed colors three different times. Uh, there's actually a little tangent. Um, one of the first times you drew a backpack, you had her name on it. So what I did on this so, was I, I literally hot glued her name so it looked like she ripped the patches off. That is awesome. <laughs> Not that, that you can awesome. tell in this light, but and oh, so it's so like cool. that's great. Yeah, so like I did you know there's and that all those little details and stuff right. and and those kinds of things happen in the development of a character and you really even though you you know I was coming off of what Ron did on what, what if 105 and so there was a template of what she was supposed to look like and that kind of thing. But as I said earlier, I tried to add my own spin to it. But at the same time, you are, you are also developing as you go in front of everybody because you are not, you are not, you don't get to spend years and years developing every aspect of a character's look or what they wear behind the scenes and then suddenly jump in with a new first issue and say, ta-da, she's fully formed. Yeah. As time goes by, you're kind of growing with the character, the character's changing, and little different things you try to, you say, okay, does that work? Maybe that doesn't work. I think that's better for the character. It's a real evolution over the course of a series. Yeah, I, I, I you're really... asking about Edgeworld. I'm sorry. We got off on Spider-Man. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Oh. I went off on a tangent. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. That's quite... Let's... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, so, well, I mean, I, I don't know how much, you know, I, I, we kind of said hour to 90 minutes, so, you know, I'm trying to be... Okay. But we can go as much as long as you. Well, uh, Kelly's well, got something. I night. I have, I am double booked on my podcasting tonight. But um, so <laughs> about nine twenty, I need to duck Jump out. But that's okay. Yeah, I okay. am. I am so down to stay as long as I possibly that's, that's, can. That's quite all right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds good for me. So, I, for for me, going back and especially when I got the individual issues and then obviously the new trades, I went and reread the books and really enjoyed it um whenever you found out they were doing the scholastic stuff and we'll come back to edge world here in a minute because that's fine i had we're, another we've, we've been popcorning this whole time so that's fine it's <laughs> totally fine uh but when the scholastic books came like was that just something that you were like oh yay that that's going to help keep the yeah. book alive um you know, I wasn't really sure how much that was going to impact our future, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. It would be nice, but I, uh, my metric at that point wasn't um, this is going to save us. Uh, at that point, it was I love the fact that this character is in this is in these is in these books. I mean, mm -hmm. we're reaching a new audience and can 
you know, are we going to be able to get in front of some young girl somewhere who would not have normally been able to see this character or read her adventures? So I, I think that was kind of what I was mostly thinking at the time. So if, if the benefit would have been to keep us going, great. But overall, I think that was kind of my first reaction was that what a great opportunity for the character. So you've you've been in this industry a long time. You've seen this direct market. And Spider-Girl, obviously, is intended to be a much more mass market type of appeal. Very much so. Very much so. Walmart, your Kmart, your Targets. Yeah. yeah. Are you Is there a bit of a frustration from someone that crafts these stories that they're not a little more out there in the, in a mass market? Well, sure. I mean, I think that's, you know, um, like DC, you know, put out those digest, those books that were going to be out in Walmart. And I mean, any outreach... Um, that gets what we do, the characters that we draw, the stories we love, all that kind of stuff, anything that gets them out there into an audience that is beyond the audience that we have right now, which we love the audience we have right now, it just could be bigger. Hmm. So um, there are people out there that would pick up a comic book and love these characters and love a comic book, but they don't come in contact with one or they don't know where to buy one or they don't... So uh, anything that gets... Uh, uh, this material out into a mass market I'm all for and I think to a certain extent um, that is what we kind of were thinking in terms of Edgeworld which is a comicsology digital online only project now eventually it will come out as a trade paperback in, you know in a traditional format okay. but it isn't it is a you know it's a digital comic I mean that's how we designed it that's how it's presented people can get it on comicsology um, and I know that rubs some people the wrong way in terms of it's not traditional, it's not paper and that kind of thing. And I understand that I prefer, I mean, I love reading comic books physically in my hand, but at the same time, that's not where everybody is consuming their entertainment. That is not where it's going to be consuming their entertainment. And exactly. And so it would be. Uh, irresponsible of us as creators not to explore ways to get w these stories out in front of people in ways that they are more likely to read them. And yeah. so that, that's kind of what we're doing. Well, I mean, to bring it slightly back to Spider-Girl, but we'll yeah. obviously we'll take care. You know, that was one of the first comics that came out exclusively digital. Was oh, okay. Spider-Girl with Marvel Unlimited for right. Um, right. Spectacular, the little right. mini series towards the end in uh, 2010. To, right. uh, 2009 and 2010. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's made, see that look kind of like that was struggling then to now where I think a large, a large number of people that I know just right. buy on comiXology. Right. You know, and or. I, and I, right. That's so exactly right. And I think that, and I think that is, it's, it's like we talked about earlier in terms of our, do you see more comics artists working digitally uh, in the future? And I do, not necessarily because it's a it's a value judgment, but just because younger artists are familiar with this technology and that's how they learn to draw and that's how they draw everything else they do. And that is also the way younger readers read things. They read them on... I mean, my daughter's iPhone is grafted to her hand. I mean, yeah. it is just so... That's just that's just how. So if we want to be part of that, part of that conversation, we need to we need to explore that op, that uh, that option. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, when I heard that it was a digital only, because again, I remember uh, being kind of mocked when I said, if, if, the, if Marvel DC created an iTunes, because I've been podcasting since 07. Oh, that's, okay. how, that's how long I've been doing it. And, you know, back when iTunes was still a thing. <laughs> sure, sure. So you've seen uh, a lot of change, too, over the course yeah, of that yeah, time. Just, I mean, just, I, mean just, I, re- I remember people scanning the comics, and then they were on, like, places like LimeWire for download way before right. this ever was, like, thought of as a thing just because it was easier for them to read digitally or right. like on your laptop, on your computer, right, right. through the CBR files, um, right. and that way it could preserve your comics, especially older right. ones. Like there were people that were just scanning these pages left <laughs> right. and right, and I'm not right. going to say right. what issues I downloaded <laughs> or if I did. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, like that because yeah. I I grew up. There was yeah. no way that I the amount that I read growing up you know, would have been possible by right. just buying things, well, yeah, you know, think, straight yeah, from the comic store. Right. And I think, but I think that's the, and I think that is, uh, there is going to be a transition and a learning curve and a bumpy road while we uh, go through this transition. Um, I think uh, we've been very happy with the, re- the response to Edgeworld. It's done pretty well for Comixology. But it is still, um, we're still trying to find our audience. And part of the struggle is we are a new format mm-hmm. trying to break into a market that doesn't always respond to things that aren't traditional, if that makes yeah. any sense. So, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I think there's room for both. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's a transition that's coming. Yeah. Well, and then that's where these fantastic collections. Uh, are, are awesome to have because they just they it, they're they're in full size. I love the digest. Don't don't misunderstand. I, right, I like but, the larger versions too. Uh, I I own all of it. I also own the library bound copies because I found I found a publisher that actually wow. way back in the day. It's it's and it's all of uh, the early stuff. It's like the first eight issues. So it's okay. all of your work and it's bound in a library book and I, I'm, I'm at my parents. So it's not, I don't have it here to like grab and pull out, but they're like the wow. publisher, is still ba- the publisher is still making them for schools, but you can go in and you can wow. request them. Wow. That's very cool. <laughs> That's very cool. Thank you from your mother. Can you go over and get one now? I'm like, no, no, sadly. Um, this is sadly Atlanta is like five hours away from here. So <laughs> yeah. well, that's yeah. very cool. That's cool. Yeah. But no, I, so for me, you know, seeing this evolution, you, you, you said, Hey, you've seen a lot of things since I started podcasting. I have, I, I, when I started podcasting, the iPod was still, a, was, was the main source of listening <laughs> to podcasts. Sure. Now it's ever, you know, I remember when the iPhone came out, everybody was mocking and I'm like, no, that's, that's going to be something. And I should have bought Apple stock then. <laughs> Foolishly, I didn't. Sure. Also, I was barely 18, so it was like, well, yeah. but hindsight being 2020, I should have bought Apple stock then <laughs> uh, because I said, if that, because I remember watching the demo and I said, if that works the way they're demoing it, and oh, right. be the way it's going to look at the, the, with the right. pinch to zoom and things like that, right. it's going to change everything. And yep. so yep. that definitely will uh, seeing how much it's changed 
now. I mean, I was saying we need an iTunes for comic books. Now we have right. Marvel Limited, DC right. Universe app. Very much right. Um, uh, Comicology Comic Unlimited. Unlimited. Right. There's normal Comicsology, right. normal Marvel, normal DC yep. Comics. So both yep. of them run through Comicsology because right. Amazon owns everything. Correct. <laughs> correct. So, that is correct. So, uh, and, and if you get a Comicsology, uh, uh, what's it called? Comicsology Plus or uh, Unli- uh, Unlimited. 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 Right. Yeah. If you get the Comicsology Unlimited uh, membership, you do get. Pat's Edge World series as a part of that because I, I was true. trying to buy the individual, yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, oh man, so I, I'm probably going to get it after the first of the year, but I will definitely be reading it and checking it out because well, good. good, we appreciate your it. your uh, your gracious enough time to come yes. here and, and talk with us. Well, Thank you. Yeah, but I, I appreciate I appreciate being asked, so that's fine. no problem. Yeah. Um, so you, how fun was it? to stretch the muscles whenever you got to do last hero standing and last planet standing. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Uh, cause, yeah. cause you got to do like the greater MCU. Right. And right. Right. Bring and back some was, characters. And I think that, and I think that goes back to when I was, you know, when the, this whole MC2 universe started and I was assuming I was going to do the Avengers book is that I had after untold tales of Spider-Man and that I, I liked the idea of maybe some bigger stories. Um, and those two series, Last Planet Staring, Last Year Standing, were, were an opportunity to do that. I mean, they were mu- they were very grand stories, big stories, kind of classic Marvel stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, yeah, they were a lot of fun. They were a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a, a, a ton of stuff. Um, um, but and it got to be, you know, it got it gave me a chance to, as you said, stretch those muscles where you can tell a bigger story. So mm-hmm. it was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I remember last year, I think it was last hero standing and that was weekly. So did you have to do like all the art at once and then, then, then they put it all the press or was it? Um, I think that we, I think my memory, uh, my, this might not be right, but my memory is that, um, we, we did get uh, a head start on it, on the project and that I did breakdowns and Scott Koblish did finishes. So it allowed me to concentrate more on the storytelling, some of the you know the the structure of the drawing and panel layout, but move through the pages much quicker. And Scott Koblish is you know super talented, so he's more than able to um, you know finish what I had and and to make it look good. And um, so I think that was that was kind of the idea is that uh, by by working that way we can move through the pages quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember you did a lot of work with Al Williamson on yeah. Spider Girl. Um, you did some work on Untold Tales quite a bit right. as well. Right. So, describe to if you could, can you describe to me the relationship between when you, especially when you're working with somebody pre often like an Al Williamson, how that relationship between pencil and inker works? I mean, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but like mm-hmm. when you know there's a specific inker, does it right. change your style? I. I think so. And I think that you kind of, um, uh, when you s- start working with an inker, um, and you see something that they do well, Al Williamson, I mean, obviously one of the greatest illustrators ever to work in our industry mm. uh, or any industry, really the, uh, right. um, he was, you, uh, it became pretty clear that I had an opportunity to, um, do more line work, more rendering, that kind of thing, because that's what he does so beautifully. 
So there was um, an opportunity for me to do more in terms of playing around with line work and rendering and that kind of thing because I knew that it would look great when he was done. And he was a great guy. I mean, he's just absolutely great guy. So, so did you guys like communicate via phone and e- or email and yeah. stuff? Yeah, we just uh, yeah we had phone conversations, and um, he was always fun to talk to. He would always break my chops. Um, so uh, that was kind of his personality, and he was uh, but super generous, always very kind. Um, I love talking to him. So, um, and I do have one L. Williamson story that. Um, there was a period of time, uh, I think it was after, I don't, I don't remember if we were on spider girl yet. We may have been on spider girl. I've been working on spider girl for a little while. Um, my wife and I had some financial problems. Um, so things, he knew things were tight for us. So at a Pittsburgh convention, I live in Pittsburgh. He was there as a guest at the beginning of the show. He walked over to my table and plopped down a huge stack of original art from our run to that point that is split between the pencil and inker. I get some, he gets some, that's it. He walked over and plopped down a bunch of pages from his, from his cut and said, here, these are yours, sell them. And you know, if it helps you out, great. I will never wow. forget that. And it did. Wow. I made a, I made a lot of money at that show. It really helped us out at the time. Uh, I was, I, you know, I mean, that, that just shows you what kind of guy he was. Wow, that that's that's an awesome story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. So you do you and Ron still get together, even though you're in, uh, you're both in Pittsburgh? We are both in Pittsburgh. Um, unfortunately, we don't see each other as much anymore, and part of that is my is my fault, I think, because um, he is uh, uh, he's a single guy living in an apartment. Uh, I'm now married. I have a daughter. We moved to the suburbs, kind of thing. Mm. Um, you know, before the pandemic, uh, most of my time was, um, you know, trying to keep up with my deadlines and then having to walk the dog and then take my daughter to dive practice. I mean, so it was like, it's, uh, so we don't keep in touch as much as as we should. And that's my fault. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I just, it's life gets just kind of crazy. So uh, no, it's understandable. It's understandable. I, you know, I got friends that I see that live across town that I don't get like, I should see more often, but just right, right, life yeah, gets in the way. Yeah. Now uh, he, he might be popping in on the comments. I'm just warning you. So <laughs> it, uh, it can happen. It, it's a possibility. Uh, yeah, okay. But uh, he, he's done it. I'll he's be done prepared. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did want to go through some of our comments. Uh, Greg Bashansky says no questions, but he just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for coming on. And for some reason, he's saying you know good job to me, but it's more Kelly. She's she does a much better job than I do. So, <laughs> yeah. well, thank you, Greg. Um, I did I did have a question when you were talking about um your like the process mm-hmm. with Al um and the differences between kind of doing stuff digitally and doing stuff old school. Is it a faster process, easier process? Like, what's the differences? Um, I it's it tends to be um. I wish I know guy. I know for a lot of guys, digital is much faster. For me, it is a little faster. Um, I wish it was much faster, but it's a little. It is a little faster, um, and that's just because of. Um, I mean, everything just as simple as you know, dipping a pen into an ink, sharpening a pencil, having to scan pages, and uh, you know, remove smudges, and and you know, digitally is cleaner. It is quicker. Um, 
So, yeah, it is. It, it tends to be faster. And you also have uh, it, it. It works for me to a certain extent that because um, there are people that spend their careers learning how to handle a brush and a pen and ink and they are masters at it. And I get to ink my own work once every five years. So I'm not adept enough uh, at, the, mm. at the tools. Whereas when you work digitally, um, you know, uh, the tools are kind of pre-made for you. I mean, you kind of, they, they do some of the work for you and there's this magic thing where you can undo something. Yes. What a great, what a great concept <laughs> that was. There's no white out or anything. It's like, oh my God. But anyway, but yeah. so yeah, I mean, there is, um, there is something that I miss from a traditional standpoint, but there are some things that there are benefits from a, uh, a digital standpoint. That's awesome. Uh, one of the one of the comments uh, was was from Jonathan Lopez. He said, "Selling original art is more revenue for the artist, though, isn't it?" Because we're talking about the uh, mm -hmm. the digital aspect. Yep. Yeah. The, the physical art does so. Right. So, and he's exactly right. So that is a calculation that, and it's also, um, I mean, I have original artwork from artists that I admire. And I understand that that is something that is lost when a fan can't hold a piece of artwork in their hands from an artist that they admire. And I understand that. And that's, that's a struggle. I mean, to, to uh -huh. decide how to, to do that um, in terms of speed. Yes. Or, or original art. Now I still have, you know, I, I still do traditional work. So I still have artwork that is, uh, that is, uh, um, that sold through uh, Catskill comics. And yeah. Um, Speaking so, of Zach, but, Zach was trying to, put it up <laughs> there you go if you want if you want to buy some original art from uh there you go. from fat so, olive there you go but the, the the calculation is to to for some artists is also that yes from a from a revenue standpoint yes you don't get a chance to sell original artwork but you are faster so you make mm -hmm. you don't you make money by page you get a page rate and you get right. a, you know a certain number and that's how you make money so if you are able to turn around pages faster, then you make more money that way, which may offset the loss of original art sales. But like I said, this is something that I'm experimenting with, with Edgeworld. I don't necessarily see this as the rest of my career, but it's, yeah. it's, um, but I do recognize that there is something to be said for holding a piece of artwork in your hand from a comic book that you're a fan of. I, I understand that. And that is a, a decision that, you know, everyone, every artist has to kind of wrestle with as to, as to how they want to approach it. Yeah. I mean, my, my apartment is filled with frames of art. So sure. that because yeah. you've got stuff I've gotten yeah. from conventions. You've right. gotten, right. I think you've got some Ron art, but I think you also have some Pat art, don't, don't you? Yeah. Um, but I, so I don't know where my friend got it and literally just handed it to me, but it is, um, it's inked, uh, by Sal and it was the 10th page of the annual oh okay and, right yeah right. and so i have that and obviously like because that's that's been the running joke because i i only found one frame that fits those things and i couldn't find a second one so <laughs> uh yours is not framed right now uh i apologize uh but it's i never expected to own it it was literally my friend johnny just showed up one day um and was like here you go and I'm like, where did you get this? And he goes, my comic store. And I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, because it's like, you're not expecting that. And I, 
right. know how much those can run, especially at a comic book store. So I'm sitting here going, okay, thank you. <laughs> um, and nice. so, you know, I'm still beside myself, but yeah, I have that. And uh, she's going to have a, a whole spider girl <laughs> art gallery eventually. And sure. she's just going to be just pages I, of spider girl. Okay. I collect everything. Spider girl. I have pretty much if spider girl is on it, I have it. I mean, there's these t-shirts from red bubble. There's, you oh, know, wow. just other different stuff that I found as long as it's factual. Uh, there is something that Marvel put out and I don't get know where they've got their dates uh, for it's really weird. Uh, so I don't have that thing. I, I don't want that. Uh, but uh, there's a bunch of stuff. that's just, if yeah. it's out there, I'll get it. Uh, so he makes these jokes, but I'm, I'm still waiting on my, um, I'm still waiting on like the toys and stuff that I wanted because now spider Gwen has toys that I didn't get. Oh, right. <laughs> right, right. Like uh, the self speaking of which random t stuff. So I, I, growing up, I was obsessed with the fact that may had that uh, cell phone cartridge that Normie right. put in. Where did that come from? Because uh, that was just like the neatest thing to me as a, I think I was that, probably like ten. I would I would love to take credit. That's I'm, that is a Tom and or Ron <laughs> bit. I I don't I I can't take credit for that. Well, I'm, you drew it, so. Oh, well, that's true. But believe yeah. me, I, like I said, there's there's an idea behind it, and it came from someone else, unfortunately. So since you're since you're in your basement, <laughs> since you're in your basement, do you is that where you draw? Is in your basement? No. Oh, okay. You got a room. Okay. No, this was uh, my basement was where I thought that the dogs would be the quietest, or they we would it would be hard it would be hard to hear them. Oh. Okay. Uh, but no, I have a I have a room in the house that uh, is dedicated as my studio, and that's where I do my work. Okay. Um, let's see. We got some people. Uh, Jeff Jeffrey Westroff. I don't know if you know who Jeffers is from the old Spider Girl message board, but that's that's Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, he also says, he says hi, but he also says he has quite a few pieces of your art. So yes. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, yeah so, um, how, okay. Getting back to edge world for a minute. Yes. H how cool is it to be able to build something completely from the ground up? Whereas right. you have all these other characters that have all these previous established things. And yeah, yeah. you had spider girl, and right. you were able to build off of, you know, the what if one Oh five issue, but right. this is completely new. How did this all come about? Well, I think, um, yeah. And answering your, your, the first part of that, it is amazing to get the chance to draw, to create something from the ground up. I mean, that I think that there was some similarity to, you know, having a taste of that in something like spider girl, where you get to, to, to play around with the character that way, but what obviously was previously established, um, uh, Rough Riders that I did for Aftershock Comics um, was it was a creator-owned project, but I came in late on that, so I wasn't part of the development mm. of that. It was already up and running essentially when I showed up. So, um, so this was ground up. Chuck and I creating this world, this science fiction western uh, uh, story, set in this this world that is this kind of way station where um, um, you know. There's this planet. There's this town that is an approximation is approximately is close to uh, what's called a rift gate, where people travel in and out through the edge of space. And this little town, this crappy little town, is where people 
come through. They're always, nobody lives there. Everybody passes through. So, and it's all the weird kind of adventures that happen in this town. Um, so it was, it came about by the fact that Chuck and I worked on that book, The Call that I had mentioned earlier. Um, he was the writer on that book. Um, even though it got canceled almost immediately, he and I, um, enjoyed working together, struck up a friendship, stayed in touch over the years and have, and have, uh, kept pitching ideas. You know, we wouldn't, you know, we'd lose touch for a little bit, come back together and say, Hey, how about this idea? And then we would try to, you know, we even pitched an idea to Tokyo pop at one point. Um, so we, we would just keep trying this over the course of years. And then after our latest failed attempt, um, a couple of years ago, uh, he mentioned this idea, uh, about, uh, a science fiction Western, uh, project. And I love that genre. I thought that was great. Um, so he would mention characters. So I would design characters. He would write scripts. We didn't have a place for this. We didn't, it was just, he and I just doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, so eventually we thought, okay, we have enough material that maybe we should see if somebody's interested in publishing this. And, um, uh, he knew Chip from Comixology and he showed it to them and they really liked the idea. They fell in love with it pretty quickly and said, yep, we'll put this out. And, uh, um, and that's, and that's how we got started. So it was, it was a long, I think we probably have been working on this thing off and on for probably, I don't know, almost two years. Wow. So, and, but we, you know, eventually we decided we needed to get this in the world. So, well, I'm glad that it's there. I'm glad yes. that, uh, that it's available and, uh, Comicsology Unlimited, it gives you access to so like thousands of, tons, tens of, tens of thousands it's, of books. It's also, it's. A lot of comicsology is not just Marvel or DC, which a lot right. of casual comic fans, that's kind of what they think of. They don't think of anything outside of that. So right. com comicsology is a really good place to kind of find something new that maybe you probably wouldn't pick up in right. a, a comic book store today because they kind of only have to use Diamond, although they're, you know, and depending on what Diamond's sure. publishing and stuff like that. Although, you know, the whole DC branched out and now right. there's it's slowly it's slowly coming back uh to more more publishers and more competition but yeah um so zach i actually sent you the link are you putting it thank you yeah right okay. there she's okay. she's directing traffic she's uh, very I'm just, good i'm in, i'm impressed <laughs> <laughs> but yes this is where you can get edge world you can get the unlimited uh right. uh membership and and check it out because i mean it's gonna have Thanks. fabulous artwork and well, thank yeah. you thank you and i you think know, I'm, and i'm happy that uh comiXology and amazon are interested in the comiXology originals imprint mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it, they obviously have a reputation for their they are, are making available pre-existing material mm -hmm. but now they're branching out into new material original material uh, which I think is very exciting, and I'm happy to be a part of it. You can also uh, get Spider Girl. Yep. Not yeah, only... I was about to ask, is that still on sale, Zach? Because over the weekend, apparently, uh, Pat, it was 67% uh, off. Really? I was, I was like, yeah, I was. I wasn't sure why. I don't know why either. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they don't. They don't come to me with that stuff, so I'm not sure. You're yeah, not part of the. You're not part of the marketing department. I am there, not Pat? part of that crew, unfortunately. I don't. I don't know if there is a marketing department. I think they just randomly. Do, I think anytime something has some kind of uptick in right. interest, because right. right now everyone is on Twitter is ablaze uh, thanks to the possibility of a Spider Verse movie with Tom. Right. 
Holland and right. um, yeah, we covered you know, that last all, all of that. Right. I've, I'm, I have my own opinions, but a lot of, a lot of people are very, very interested in spider girl right now. Cause that's yeah. what they're thinking might be coming Could in. Have, right. Right. I, because, I don't, uh, yeah. Yeah. So they do, they do have both the complete collection volume one and volume two for 1999 each. Yes. There you go. So yeah. for what actually was the cover price of one, you actually can get the, two for the price of one right well now. amazon does sell the right. printed copies for that price as well give or take um it's just you have for the way their pre-orders work is yes it's going to stay at the list price until they hit a certain threshold and then it might drop down whenever it sells out but that's why people need to pre-order and they don't pre-order <laughs> Pre-order. I'm 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 the girl that constantly is telling people to pre-order everything and, and, you can and buy everything. Volume three is up for pre-order. Should be coming allegedly out in April. So we'll find yes. out. Hopefully, very good. End of well, we wouldn't find out end of January. So when the solicitation yeah, well, out. I I have a feeling it will be April. Um, just because I I have a feeling some of them probably were printed and they just waited to release them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, the the pandemic delay. Sure. And, and from from your standpoint, because you're, you're the first creator that I've been able to talk to, how did that affect you? I mean, obviously everything shut down, but how right. does that affect you as an artist that works from home anyway? Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> well, in terms of actually um, my day to day existence. Um, it didn't really change much of anything as I've, I've told people I'm kind of built for, uh, quarantine. So it, it's kind of, um, someone was complaining about having to be in their house, uh, never leaving their house. And I said, well, all you gotta do is, you know, put on a pair of sweatpants and learn how to draw Spider-Man and you're a comic book artist. So, <laughs> um, so you know, okay, Ron. Not, the only thing that really has changed for me is that there's more people in the house because my wife now works from home and my daughter is at school at home. So, hmm. but in terms of actually producing the work, it really hasn't changed anything. Yeah. You know, for certain people, they, you know, they, they, you can adapt, but obviously you've been doing that for, for a long time. Of course right. you had the studio with Ron. Yep. And and so was it was it just you and Ron in that studio? Or was there yep. other artists? No, it was just Ron and I. He and I lived uh at that point, um uh lived pretty close uh together and uh I had been we were uh, you know, I was working out of my apartment, uh needed to get out of uh you know, a new surroundings. So, uh he and I uh were friends. We uh we had known each other for a little while and thought, well, let's try let's get a studio space together. So it would be because one of the things is everybody's experiencing now is that when you work from home, um, the work never completely is over. Um, yeah. You don't have a point where you leave your work and that's over until tomorrow. So there, yes, yeah. exactly. Kelly understands. <laughs> so, um, so that was the idea of the studio. You can kind of step away from it uh -huh. and then need kind of re recharge your batteries a little bit. Um, so that was kind of the idea. And then he and I, uh, like I said, we were friends and thought we would give it a shot. So yeah, we were there for quite a while. Well, uh, when I found out that you guys were sharing the base together, I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> so um, uh, working, we haven't really asked you about Tom all that much. We asked about the Marvel method earlier, but oh, like, right. what was it like working with Tom? Because Tom just seems like this fountain of ideas 
Oh yeah, and and that's and and that's the uh, yeah, and that's the 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 great thing about working with him. It, he is a fount uh, a fount of ideas, and and he's never at a loss for them, and um, and he's super generous. I mean, you know, that's the great thing about working with Tom is that he's a great collaborator. Um, not only through the you know the idea that you work from a plot as opposed to a script, but um, He's open to ideas. He's open to what you want to do. Is a conversation about, um, you know, character and content and all that kind of stuff. So it, um, not only does he come up with great ideas, he's a great guy to work with. And when you are setting up a team, and that's really what, you know, comic books are, uh, especially when you're on a monthly book, um, you guys are working together uh, every day. And that can go on for months and in our case for years. Um, so you want to have someone you feel that you're, you know, that you can have uh, a conversation with that is open to your ideas, um, and, uh, uh, is a, is a great collaborator. So, yeah, I mean, the guy obviously is a talented writer, talented storyteller, and, uh, one of the best, uh, uh, uh collaborators that I got a chance to work with, no doubt. Uh, another question just popped in my head. Okay. Are you enjoying the MCU? Have you have you watched all the films or well? <laughs> are you caught so, up? I am not caught up. I have only seen a, uh, a handful of them, and that's primarily because I would get these questions at conventions uh, over the years. Have you seen the latest Avengers movie or something like that? And at that point, my daughter was much younger, and I said, "Does it have a talking fish or a talking fruit?" And she said, <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. So that's kind of where I was. And I'm slowly kind of trying to catch up now that she's a little older. But, uh, no, I am woefully behind. Of the movies that I've seen, uh, I've enjoyed them uh, uh, immensely. Uh, I, I mean, I love Black Panther, Doctor Strange, yeah. Avengers. Captain America Winter Soldier is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, of, the, of the ones that I've seen, I, I, I've enjoyed them a great deal. So I'm, I'm shocked no one in the... Um, no one watching or listening right now has asked because they ask all the time, any other time for anybody else. I, I think that they just, they respect you and are listening uh -oh. uh, and enjoying things uh, because they constantly ask who would, who would you cast, you know, if MCU was doing yes. May or if uh, for Pete or MJ, like what, what's your kind of head canon actor and actresses there? Well, I, you know, I think, um, obviously Pete would be me when I was younger. Okay. Um, okay. the, uh, no, um, you know, we've had conversations about it. You know, it, when I worked on the book 20 years ago, there were different characters like that. You talked about that hairstyle. Mm -hmm. that I kind of liked with the, the longer hair with a little shock. Now, um, Courtney Cox had that hairstyle on yeah. friends during that period of time. Um, mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think, um, uh, John Cusack was a possibility for maybe Pete, uh, Mary Jane was tougher for me. I don't, because she's so Mary, you know, Mary Jane, obviously living far beyond, uh, or previously to our book. Uh -huh. Um, there's an actress that I am picturing right now. whose name I cannot, uh, she, she's, she was, uh, I know who you're talking about because she was, uh, she did a lot of Elvis movies, right? Yeah, right. Well, I, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think, and I, yeah. I my, the name is blanking for me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, um, you talking about Mary Jane? Uh, yeah. 
We're all three blanking at the same time. We're thinking of the same person, and we can't think of the name. Right. All right. She had the the dimples and all that stuff. To the to the Googles, I go. um, Yeah. Speaking of, so that yeah, so that was was it. It changes a lot. Um, Like I said, since the the character, the actresses that I would have thought of when I was working on the book um, have been replaced countless times as the uh, as the who would be more appropriate now. Yeah, it's fair. I. People ask me as a fan, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, because I was I, always stuck on like when I was a child reading it, especially um, with you. Like, it was a little different, like, because she did look like an everyday girl. But right. um, I think because I was a little bit older by the time Ron got on the book, um, I, I was reading the comic, like, I was, or I was reading the comics and those magazines that he was picking up. Yes, thank you, thank you, Jeff. thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Um, I, I couldn't remember her name either. I was like, yeah, I see her but face. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So like by the time Ron was around the book, like I was seeing stuff where it was like very clearly, I know that page is from this particular interview on Seventeen with Mandy Moore, and <laughs> I know this, and I see this. I know that like this for Normie looks a lot like Justin Timberlake. Like right. it's that's funny. So that I. Funny. Uh, like those were those were my head cannons as a kid, and now it's okay. like, but yeah. you know they're they're sitting there in their forties. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm over here, just turned thirty. I know uh, Zach's girlfriend Sarah wants me to be Mayday, and I'm like I'm too old now. They they will never. <laughs> I throw, throw my knees out like <laughs> trying to play oh, a high schooler. Goodness. <laughs> no idea. Look, it, it, if Toby McGuire could be 27 years old playing a, wow. a teenager, you could you could probably pull that off. You, nah. <laughs> you're you're far more youthful than me. I look like I'm 10 years older than I am, but you know, divorce will do that to you. But uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but um, how? Okay, what was your favorite supporting character? Not other than Mayday. Like obviously, Mayday is probably your favorite, but like yeah, uh, in terms of in just uh, um, drawing it and oh, dra- well, um, I always like drawing Pete, and that's partly because not because of the you know the idea that whether or not he looks like me or not is just the fact that I there was um, it was great to draw Peter Parker in Untold Tales of Spider Man, and then older Peter Parker in Spider Girl. So that was that was fun. Um, I liked Uncle Phil. I liked uh, Normie. I mean, there was. Um, I, I guess I don't really have a favorite. Um, I think Phil was. Uh, I liked drawing Phil's interaction with May, so I think that was that was always fun. Did you uh, what, besides like of the old villains? Did you like drawing Green Goblin or like even from your <laughs> Uncle Phil's era? Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, I like drawing, uh, and I like drawing um, the later, you know, the incarnations that we did in Spider Girl, the the Golden Goblin. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, I, I had a lot of fun drawing all those characters. Yeah, especially those incarnations, the different Green Goblins. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And Nova, I always enjoyed drawing Nova. <laughs> I okay. wonder. Now we know. Was, Tom wrote such great interaction. Um, that he decided this character was the square, you know, uh, hello citizens mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, break it up girls. Like, so it, it was, uh, I always loved those scenes. I was, I was, I always had fun with those. Hey, scenes. my five-year-old nephew, like I've, I've shown him, you know, 
brought him copies of Spider Girl, stuff like that. He loves that issue with Nova just because he knows Nova. And I still don't know where he does. I don't know how he knows what he knows about Nova, but he does. And he will literally go, I love Nova. And I'm like, you're a five year old kid that has barely read straight through a comic book. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) He's decided Nova's. Great. <laughs> I, yeah, I love that. I love that character. Uh, as a toy collector, I have to ask this question because you mentioned Nova and they just announced a new Nova Marvel Legend. Do you have any of the Spider-Girl toys? Uh, I do not. I do have one toy that a fan made for me. Um, it was well. a, spider, a Spider-Girl. It was at a convention. A fan came up and made had made a, a Spider-Girl figurine uh, given that to me at a convention, I still have it in my studio. Oh, that's cool. Um, that was uh, that cool. was pretty sweet. Uh, I was completely uh, uh, caught by surprise, and um, uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to beat something like that when somebody makes that for you. Uh-huh. That was uh, yeah. So that's still that's that's the one that's in my studio. Okay, that's cool. That's really cool. Uh, I've I've got all of. I have way too many action figures, well, but anyway, he does. But well, I mean, that's, you know, kind of like what I was talking about earlier They they didn't really make a whole lot and they still haven't. They just came out no. for some reason, like the Funko pops is now super popular and everybody has asked for a spider girl pop. Instead, they made April, which is the clone and amazing. So, uh, okay. I, I mean, I have her, I like her, but I, I'm still not fully understanding the logic behind that. <laughs> Uh, sure, sure. I mean, they also okay. They they've only made two of the Marvel Legends series. They made two. They made the Stinger. That they packaged her with uh, Hank for the Ant Man, the Wasp, and then they made Spider Girl uh, back in twenty fourteen, I think. Um, so we're hoping for more MC two, uh, and I'm hoping for an updated Spider Girl. Truthfully, I, because like they didn't give her much. They just gave it her. <laughs> and with other female figures like Spider Gwen, they give her head swaps and hand swaps and all that fun stuff. But um, so guys, I want to just jump in real quick. I got sure. about five. I got about like five more minutes. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I was. I literally was messaging Zach to so, to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. That's my my five minute countdown that I'm. Yes. Uh, um, uh, yeah. So I got about five more minutes, and then I got to split. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So. The lightning round. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if anybody else has any more questions, now's your time. Get it in time. right now because we will definitely, and then we'll obviously have, we've talked about Edge World quite a bit, but uh, we'll oh, yeah, let you, yeah. we'll Very let you plug it. And, and, uh, is there any other things you can tease? There's a big no, question. Yeah. That's, the, that's the biggest tease, uh, of all is, is Edge World. Uh, the first three issues are available now. We just wrapped up. Uh, issue five, we, you know, their first five issues are completed. We're now, that's, that completes the first arc. Um, we're just getting started on the second arc, which is okay. another five issues, six to ten. Um, so right now, that's that's basically it. So uh, um, it's an ever-evolving story. And uh, so hop on board. And, uh, yeah, we're very proud of it. Well, fantastic. Also, okay. just... Just because I have it in front of me, so Comicsology Unlimited is free for thirty days, guys, and then it's five ninety nine a month after that, which um, is a fantastic value. Yeah, exactly. And it goes, and it literally has so much. 
you know, including yeah. some Marvel and DC titles. Also has Edge World, which you definitely want to read and pick up and check out. Uh, but also just a ton of other indie and other original work. Um, so it's a fantastic deal, and you guys should pick it up. Uh, normally, I plug Marvel Unlimited, but I'm, we're going to plug Comicsology today. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and if you go to Comicsology too, and just type in Pat Olive, um, you can you, okay. def- you can you can find uh, single issues, series, graphic novels. Um, looks like they have most of your Untold Tales run. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't read Untold Tales, that's really a fun series. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, such a proud of that series. Yeah, I mean the fact that you guys were able to seamlessly integrate and, those stories, right. and that was Kurt. I mean, that was uh, the genius of what he did was being able to weave the stories in. We would put in a little chart about where different you know issues would fall, and um, but it wasn't. And the great thing was. If you were aware of those stories, then you were able to get a little bit more out of the Untold Tales of Spider-Man stories. But in no way did you need to read those stories to enjoy our stories. Mm-hmm. So they were, um, you know, we 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 were able to deliver a good story with the uh, without the need for um, a tutorial necessarily. So yeah, that was Kurt. He just did a, an amazing job, and I was I was happy to be along for the ride. It was fun. Couple comments. Uh, Aaron Scorinch, who is known as Frogoat, the immortal Frogoat, uh, for the just loves MC2. And, and yeah, he has a blog spot, uh, a blog spot that has been up for a while because it's a hit. Actually, Frogoat's website is where I got the idea to do that 30 days of Mayday. That and wow. the fact my closet was overflowing with clothes I've had since I was like 12. So. <laughs> I, I feel that. Very good. My, that was good. I feel that in my bones. Uh, <laughs> Matt Burr was asking, do you, have you been we reading the current? No, this is the current Nick Spencer run. Okay. I, like the current comics. Of, are you following any specific comics like um, Spider-Man or Batman or anything um, like that? I, 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 I'm not. I mean, I, I have kind of, um, over time, um, I tend to gravitate more towards when I was a fan, um, when I was a kid, uh, I followed characters. As I've gotten older, worked in the industry, I tend to follow artists, writers, and people that I admire, that kind of Ooh. thing. Um, uh, there's a series coming out called, I think it's called Two Moons that John Arcudi's doing through Image. I mean, I'll buy anything that he does. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, um, I tend to follow guys that I know know do good work as opposed to specific characters. So that, that's kind of how I approach it these days. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody else that you're like instantly like I, I have to buy? Um, let's see. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess since I haven't been to a comic book shop in so long. I don't really, that's where I tend to browse most of my work or most mm. of the books that I follow. Right. Um, and um, I feel detached from it all right now, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I understand. Well, yeah. uh, I think I speak on behalf of Kelly. You're welcome to come back anytime. Yes. <laughs> and let's, let's. Well, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate uh, the time. I appreciate all the questions and 
reliving some Spider Girl stuff. That it's been great. I really appreciate it. Uh, eventually, down the line, I think we're going to have to get you, Tom, and Ron in the same room virtually sure. together. Okay. And that I think Vir- that's a virtual just, room. Yeah. yeah. It, For, and, and, yeah. Until pandemic's over, I mean, if you guys want to get together, right. you know, y'all are all. I think I think Tom's actually moved to Pittsburgh now, so y'all are all in Pittsburgh. Now. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I think Tom's a New York boy, but I don't know. I, last, I don't yeah, know. I, uh, I know, but I know Pat's still in, in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, yep, I'm Pat, there. Ron's you're, there. Oh, yeah. Ron, I meant Ron. Yep. Looking at Pat talking about Ron, what? but uh, yeah, no, thank you again for my for, pleasure, guys. This was fantastic. Yeah, I know you got to so go, and yeah. we will. S- We'll see you and talk to you and holler at you soon. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you very much. I really appreciate yeah. it. It was fun. All right, everybody. Thank we you. will see y'all next time. Yes. On Make My Mayday. Bye, guys. Thanks. And that will wrap up this episode of Make Mine Mayday. On behalf of Kelly, I am Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster of Spidey-Dude.com and the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Once again, thanks again to Pat Olive for being a part of this episode. If you want to check out his work, you can always go on Amazon.com and look up the Spider-Girl Complete Collections. They are available uh, for a pretty good price. I think uh, also you can do it, if you want to do it digitally, they are available on Amazon for $19.99. Uh, that is half of the cover price that uh, they originally sold for. But you can always get great deals uh, online. Check out check out his work on Spider-Girl Complete Collections Volume 1 and Volume 2. Also, you can check out his brand new work, Edge World, that, that is available on Comixology as a part of the Comixology Original Series, a Comixology exclusive series. Uh, if you haven't checked out Comixology Unlimited, I highly recommend it. You can check it, check it out 30 days risk-free at Comixology.com or on the Comixology app. So check that out. Uh, it's four, it's, I think it's $5.99 a month uh, if you haven't uh, decided to subscribe. But you can you check it out for 30 days risk-free. And in, during that 30 days, you can go read Pat's and Chuck Austin's new Edgeworld the new work that uh, is out there. So support those fantastic creators and support our good friend Pat Olive, of course. If you want to listen to our other shows here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network, there's multiple ways to do it. You can always like us on Facebook at Spidey Dude Network on Facebook as well as Instagram. You can always follow us on Twitter at Spidey Dude Radio. You can follow us on Twitch as well at Spidey Dude Network, but we haven't really done much yet on Twitch. That's going to be something that's going to be happening more in 2021. Uh, also, YouTube.com. Uh, just search for Spidey Dude Radio Network or just search Spidey Dude and it should be the first thing that pops up. Uh, be sure to give us a sub- like, a share, and a subscribe and hit the notification bell so that way you can be notified when we have brand new content coming your way on YouTube. Uh, our hope and trust is that we're going to continue to grow our little YouTube channel. Uh, once we get it to the 100 subscriber mark, then we'll get to uh, change the URL to uh, Spidey Dude Network. But that's what the eventually what the URL will be. Um, of course, if you want to be a part of this show, you can always leave us an email at makemymayday at gmail.com. You can always leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, we will read those reviews uh, on an episode of Make My Mayday. We'll also... Uh, play your voicemails, 818-925-6631. That is the voicemail line that uh, if you want to leave feedback and discuss what uh, you like or dislike about the episode, we'll uh, we'll definitely t- give it a listen and play it live here on 
the Spidey Radio Network. Just be sure to leave your name, where you're calling from, and what show you're calling about, because it is the voicemail line for the entire Spidey Dude Radio Network. So with that, I will bid you adieu, and we will see you next time here on Make My Mayday.